Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Smiths. You're listening to bonus episodes. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Folks, let me first start by saying thank you for everyone who listened to The Smiths. It's been uh, just incredibly well received, and I can't tell you how thankful I am. If you haven't listened to the first seven episodes of The Smiths, stop what you're doing and do not listen to this interview. Um, This kind of gives away a a lot of it because it's the raw interview with John Smith. This was recorded in August, and it's uncut. I wanted to drop it here for you folks to listen to. But please, if you haven't listened to the first seven episodes of the audio documentary, listen to those before you listen to this. And without further ado, please enjoy this interview with John Smith. Iconic wrestling coach Dan Gable once said, Pain is nothing compared to what it feels like to quit. Give everything you've got today, for tomorrow may never come. Gable could be describing those whose achievements have earned them the honor of being inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Etched in Stone, the stories of wrestling's legends will take you inside the lives of over 200 of the greatest wrestlers in history as they share their never-before-told stories about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs. Competitors, coaches, teammates, and those who knew these athletes best will also weigh in on their accomplishments with their own unique perspectives. So cool. Well, I am ready if you are. Yeah, like you I'm said, ready. take a break at any time. Let's start at the very beginning. Talk about the first time you saw or heard about Wayne Wells winning the 1972 Olympic gold medal and what well, impact that had on you. You know, I think it was probably TV. I mean, we were I was seven or eight years old at the time. And probably I, I saw, you know, we were sitting there probably in the living room. And, of course, uh, our family kind of followed OU wrestling, probably more so than OSU. We knew more about OU uh, because we were kind of OU fans, you know. So I don't know how we learned about it, but I remember meeting him that year, you know. So it was a big moment for all of us um, watching the Olympics. And, and you know, I can't visually remember whether I watched him wrestle in the Olympics, but I just knew Wayne Wells was an Oklahoma Olympic champion in wrestling. And by that time, you know, Leroy was having a lot of success, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was seven years old, started two years before that and having success. So I, I think we were all, we really are, we're moving into, you know, taking this sport in, you know, mm-hmm. like, and just, you know, I think, I think that, uh, just hearing, you know, that an Oklahoma athlete won the Olympics in wrestling just kind of for me was a moment that said, this is something you can do, Mm. you know, it became a little bit more reality. I don't even know if I thought about the Olympics before that, you know, I think the first time I thought about being Olympic champion is when Oklahoma's own Wayne Wells won an Olympic gold medal, you know, and um, didn't know, you know, Little did I know that two kids up here in Ponca City, Shelby Wilson and and um, and uh, Shelby Wilson and who was our two gold medalists, um, Bobby Wilson or Shelby Wilson and Doug Blueball, yeah, from Ponca City, won in nineteen sixty five years before I was, you know, and then got a long history behind that, you know. But but all I knew is 
reality, and reality was seven years old, Wayne Wells was an Olympic champion, and that was something I wanted to do. You know, that day I heard about it, that day I, I whether I watched it, whether I saw him a parade on TV, um, I know that I shook his hands later on, you know, in that year, which was an exciting moment, but um, it just became reality. It was, it was when my Olympic dream started, and it was because of uh, an Oklahoman winning an Olympic gold medal. And it's cool because 72 was on TV a lot that year. You mm-hmm. had Gabley at the Petersons. Well, a lot of success. A lot of success, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then one of my, and we're going to go back to your childhood, but one of my favorite relationships you've had is with Coach Chesbro. Talk about the summer camps and traveling the country with him and just how that relationship started with Coach Chesbro. Well, Leroy was was already here at Oklahoma State, and I was uh, 14. Um, yeah, probably 14. And, and, of course, Tommy had a younger son and Todd, mm-hmm. who I ended up coaching. Um, I think our gaps a year, Todd would be uh, a little older than Pat. Um, so, you know, Todd would probably be, let's see, 23, 33, 40, you know, 43, 44, mm-hmm. you know, so 10 years different. So, anyway, um I don't know why I brought up Todd. Todd was always kind of drug along with me, you know. Well, I was uh, told that in like the late 80s, Todd was the drill instructor for Coach Chesbro at those camps where Coach Chesbro would be in Levi's and wrestling shoes and he'd say, Todd, do this, this, and this. But I heard that was you it five was. years earlier. Oh, Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah, you know, um, we traveled around. He, he he just kind of took me in his, in his wing and um, hard work, man. I mean... Nothing easy about it, you know, three days, three days, three times a day. And, and, of course, he was the best teacher I'd ever been around. I mean, you talk about, could, you know, in a drop of a hat, can do a two-hour clinic. He could do a three-hour. He could do five straight hours and just boom, 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 boom. Skill, 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 skill. Um, uh, was phenomenal, you know. And so, you know, through those summers um, – with uh, Tommy Chesbro and, and a lot of it was Paul Martin was the assistant coach now attorney here in town a good friend of mine um, we just kind of traveled around I mean from from uh, I remember being in Montana several times I remember being in um, uh, Ohio I remember being in uh, New Jersey I remember being in California I mean it was just like you know, over three three summers, I think it was three or four summers, I was just everywhere in Stillwater, Oklahoma. You know, and so imagine that you're 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 teaching the skills, Coach Chesbro's barking out drills, and really, it really, I really developed through through those summers into um, a very knowledgeable wrestler. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really take those skills from those camps and immediately start using them. Um, I think when my when my attitude changed about wanting to be the best, those skills all came back, mm-hmm. right? But I, I think I was, you know, you know, you, you spend, you know, four or five weeks of your summers out on the road and. And working six 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 days and and on the mat 
you know, two, two hour, three times a day, um, you know, I'm not sure that you, you stay motivated all the time, but for me, those skills that I really developed during that time didn't help me right away. They came back when my attitude of what I wanted to actually accomplish, you know, um, began to take hold, you know, wanting to be an Olympic champion, you know, but now living, living that life. When did that happen? Oh, I would say probably, oh, I would probably say after myself. A lot of things happened after Jim Jordan beat me in the NCAA finals. And, and that's probably more so than anything. That, that match, you know, you've heard me say it over and over again, you know, um, I couldn't have beat him that day. I probably couldn't have beat him. I couldn't have beat him a month from that day. You know, we have a tendency to say, oh, I could have won that match. Well, I couldn't have won it. I wasn't going to win it. And I wasn't going to win it a month from now and wasn't going to win it six months later. Uh, he beat, he, he, he beat me up and, and, um, uh, I had every intentions of winning that match and he, he never gave me a chance. So I think after that, a lot of things happened for me, you know, just a, a attitude change, a commitment. Um, it really kind of gave me a, a sense of where you want to go. You talk about being an Olympian. You talk about wanting to win that. You know, you're a talker rather than a doer. And so, um, although I worked, you know, but not at the level that you know, people need to work if you're going to have goals and, hey, you want to win nationals? Well, you got to go through guys like Jordan to do it. Well, you're not there. I wasn't sure if that was a turning point or if 1984, that Nationals, was a bigger turning point. Because I know that was heartbreaking as well. But you'd say the Jordan one was more of a turning point in your career? No question. Okay. Yeah. So let's go back to your freshman year, then we'll catch back up to that. 1984 Iowa Duel, one of my favorite um, stories to, to learn about and hear about. You know, Gable was coming in. They had won six straight. Chesbro was your guy. You guys had one of the best teams ever in 83-84. What do you remember from that Iowa Duel when you were a freshman there? Trezino match, you know, it was um, pretty exciting. He was strong. He was better than me. Um, you know, uh, I probably should have redshirted that year. Um, no, I shouldn't have. The whole thing, you know, my career played out perfectly. I shouldn't say that. Um, I was just immature, you know. But um, I beat a lot of guys that year just on pure, you know, attitude and um, I think that night I beat Trezino on attitude you know he was a strong kid had a lot of success at uh, uh, at Iowa and and later on showed it at the national tournament you know where he stood nationally um, for me that was one of those moments in your life that you're going oh my gosh I don't know if I've ever been that excited you know <laughs> here you are you, you've uh you know, you're a fresh, a true freshman and, and you're wrestling in one of the biggest dual meets of the year. Uh, you couldn't buy a ticket, the old Gallagher Hall, um, packed. Um, I remember walking to the gym, you know, that was back when I think we weighed in, um, five hours before, maybe night before, you know, mm -hmm. I can remember walking to the gym like two hours before and, and this line was just, you know, going all the way down the street. I mean, and, and it was two hours before, you know, and I'm like, uh-oh. I said, this is serious. <laughs> and so it was just exciting. And, and the way I won, and uh, it was one of those, it, it was one of those matches that you just, 
you know, if you feel the excitement and, and, um, and you helps your team win a big dual meet at a, at a one time in history, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, but, uh, definitely my memory of it is just one of my cherished moments in, in my career, you know, just the, the pure excitement. I don't think I've ever felt that other than maybe two or three times, um, and of course, winning gold medals, winning your first, doing things for your first time is always the best. Sure. You know, your first medal in the Olympics, your first NCAA championship. And for me, my first big match in Gallagher-Ibe Arena, you know, um, exciting. I have the, uh, I have Corey Bays talking about the environment that night. Now, granted, he was a high school senior, but he's also kind of reminiscing here of what it was like in the locker room. Because from what I understand, the locker, or not the locker room, the wrestling room was in the dungeon. Yeah. And as you're warming up, you could hear people upstairs um, kind of getting in there. and You'd always warm up down in the, they called it the dungeon. It was a workout room. And it was a dungeon. Um, but it was in the basement below, really, the floor. And you literally could hear the band playing. And you could hear the crowd wrestling or kind of just muffled of people. But when those doors and we were really ready to run out and that duel would uh, start, there's nothing more that would send you know, chills, um, goosebumps all over your body as you run out and you look up and there's just thousands of people. Um, and you know, this is before they raised the roof. It would hold 8,000, but I'm telling you, it was packed. It was on the, people were on the floor. We would run on the mat, and me being the first first guy out there, it was it, it made you. It was a sense of there ain't there's no, there's no way I'm going to lose tonight. There's no way that somebody's <laughs> going to come in here and, and and beat me tonight. I've got number one. This is the rowdiest place in the country. Yeah. Is that how you remember it? Oh, yeah. Warming up down there, and you can hear the people upstairs. and Yeah, you hear them stomping. You hear them. Yeah, it was, it was. Uh, you know, we've had some wonderful uh, events since then, too, you know. And, uh, just that old uh, old Gallagher Hall, um, it just squeezed them in there, man. And when they were right up on top of you, and, um, I miss that, that hall, you know. Um I think what we've done here since then has been a been a positive, but um, yeah, almost like was, the U and I place, kind of how it's real tight. Yeah, it just yeah, probably a lot like you and I, but you know, obviously it's sixty four hundred, and I think you and I maybe you know twenty five hundred, but um, but yeah, similar those old type gyms that that uh, um, or not gyms, um, you know, arenas. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was just incredible feeling to be a part of it. What did Iowa and Gable represent that time as a young OSU wrestler? You know, um, well, he was in the in the midst of, you know, having some of his run at national championships. Um, they were our competitor, right? I mean, it was, it was. Um, You know, Chesbro was in the midst of, uh, you know, not making it through the sea. I mean, not in the midst of maybe losing his job, you know. Um, 
so it became very serious, you know. Things were serious, and there isn't any question that uh, Iowa and Oklahoma State at that time was, was heated battles for a lot of reasons, not just the outcome of the score, you know. So, um, you know, for recruiting, for a lot of things. So, you know, the 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 atmosphere was very intense, right? Mm-hmm. And didn't care for each other. Maybe still a little bit that now. Um, you know, there, there's there's a level of um, there's a level of respect, but caring about each other, probably not. Yeah. And did you? How aware were you that the ultimatum that Myron had put on Tommy that year? If he didn't win, he was out. Was that a was that known among the team at that time, or did no, that only come out after? No, and and I didn't. Yeah, just a stupid, stupid scenario. I was going to ask you is why was he? I mean, I know why he was let go, but what what the heck happened? Undefeated two years in a row, coach of the year. You know why was he let go? Well, I think that we overperformed. To tell you the truth, I mean, I, I think people recognize that. You know that uh, OSU and and a lot of people we take dual meets serious, so. You know, um, we, you know, you, you build fans up. You know, the greatest thing we have in wrestling is dual meets. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you're if you're drawing, you know, eight, ten, twelve thousand people out here, and and or or you give them one match where we're packing it, you know, um, that's thirteen thousand people that are be exposed to a dual meet. You don't have thirteen thousand going with your nationals. You know, right. you got about 800, you know. So we, you know, Chesbro was a dual meet guy. I mean, he wanted to present. I mean, we brought our game to Gallagher Hall and, and, and Gallagher-Ibe Arena now. And, and that's that's the right model, you know. And, and and sometimes we over, I think we overachieved those two years, really. I was uh, I was part of one of them, and the, then – the one uh, before me, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was still a senior in high school. But be honest, when you look back at those guys, I mean, you're just like, you know, they, they those got these guys wasn't like highly. Some of them were local kids mm-hmm. on the team, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, you go undefeated and you take second two years in a row, and that's not an achievement, you know. When really it was, you know, right? You know, when we beat Iowa. Uh, I remember in '84 when we beat Iowa at, here at Gallagher, something 30-66. They were a better team coming in. Yeah, you know, we just had a great match. We we performed at one moment, you know, in the season where the world's watching, and and we showed up, right? right? And you should have an advantage at home, right? For sure. So some some people, you know, over the years, you know, they're going, ah, hey, yeah, I was. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, Tommy Chesbro, if I would have done something my freshman year, we would have won, you know? You feel that but way? But I didn't place. Yeah, and, and it probably cost us points. But was was I, knowing myself now, was I ready to place? Heck no. I wasn't mature enough. You know, I was still, things were running through my mind like I was a little, you know, uh, seven-year-old kid, you know? <laughs> Um, does that is that a reflection on your coach? Sure, it is. Unfortunately, right. So, anyway, what do you mean you weren't ready to win or ready to all American? Oh, I was just I was a kid, you know. But but put me on the mat in a big match, I'll show up. But 
uh, take me through a three-day tournament that's a grind, I wasn't ready for that. Hmm. And I wasn't. Right. You know, emotionally, stability. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily lose because I wasn't, uh, I didn't work. Uh, I, I really got beat because somebody was going to beat me. You know, I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't prepared uh, mentally, nor was I mature enough mentally. Um, but I wouldn't take the year back. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you, th- sometimes we forget, you know, and when we look at teams, we go, they're, they're, they've overachieved this year, you know. And I really believe Chesbro's teams those two years, they overachieved. Because looking at the guys and the makeups of those teams, there's a couple guys, right? Kenny Mundy, Mike Sheets. But Mike Sheets didn't get recruited everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike Sheets got recruited probably, uh, you know, maybe two or three places. Locals. Right? Locals. Yeah. Locals, yeah. You know, I think that nobody, you know. But um, I'm, he wasn't, I don't, I mean, I don't know where he stand at the time in the nation, but uh, I think when he beat Kenny Mundy, people noticed that in high school. You yeah, know? for sure. <laughs> you know, they noticed him. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, it was an interesting time, you know, and, and definitely um, bad, bad decisions were made. That, that it took us years to recuperate. How would you compare C and Chesbro's coaching philosophies? Mm, quite different, you know. Um, uh, Joe C really brought a level of uh, uh, a level to OSU that really helped me, you know, a level of skill, and most of it being motion oriented. Um, and just moving your feet and, and, and just the idea of, of moving your feet more is, is what helped me a lot moving in that direction because I, it goes back to, you know, it allowed me to do a lot more skills that I learned at that young age with Chesbro and, and elbow controls and things like that, duck unders that really fed off of, moving your feet, jab fakes, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, um, they were quite different in, in, in their approach to teaching wrestling. But again, I think Joe C was um, skill first, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy Chesbro was skill first, power, conditioning second, you know. And I think it's really, the, it's really a good way of teaching young people because I think it for for longevity purpose of that kid, they don't get bored. You know that they stay they stay focused and they have some pride in their skill mm-hmm. and what they do. Um, I just think it's just a good teaching. I think we it, it keeps kids motivated. I think a lot more when skills taught first and the emphasis of skill and 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 second. You know we all know we got to be in shape. You know, we all know we got to go seven minutes. Well, just that's that's a responsibility of yours. Yeah. You know, but but it needs to it you know it needs to recognize if you can't take someone down, okay, you're not going to win anyway. So um, you can't turn someone. You can't get up off bottom. You're not going to win anyway. You right. know. So, um, and I think it it de-emphasizes conditioning where 
you know, some kids have grown up and, and all they've heard is shape, shape, condition, and condition. It just wears on them. Mm-hmm. Right? It just constantly. And, and then they're always asking themselves, am I in shape? You know, because that's all they've ever heard. You're not in shape. You're not in shape. You know, you fell apart in the third period. This and that. And, and it, I think it just, it, it, it's, I, I, in my coaching, I see it. The ones that are fe- that have fear of of, of getting tired. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about, so obviously we're talking about skill and technique as opposed to the Dan Gable Iowa style, because that was kind of the predominant system at that time. When you lost to Jim Jordan, this is one of my favorite periods of your life. You go into this self exploration phase of where you go, you you kind of thought of yourself as someone, a scientist curing cancer, and you lost track of days and months and you know, you really just started to become hyper-focused. And I even get chills talking about it. I love hearing you talk about this. Let's start at the very beginning. How did you start the low single? I heard you were drilling with Jerry Hickman, and you were hitting some outside singles, and you kind of fell into it. Let's start at the beginning of the low single and how that phase, that eight-month period started. Well, I think I, I actually I won a, a national championship and a world championship before the low single. Okay. So, um, I think that was in 87, the 87 year I won my first NCAA championship and my first world title. Um, it was without the low single leg. Um, I felt it back in, you know, back in 86, 87, and occasionally would do it in the practice room. Um, I sped up that process when I, hit it in a match. I, I can't remember. I think we were over overseas in uh, somewhere. We were overseas in at maybe dual meets. And I just remember hitting in the match for the first time just out of instinct. And it felt so good. Right? And that's when I really came back and put a lot of time into it. And that was in 87. Um, Jerry Hickman, yeah. A lot of times we drilled. I mean, a lot of nights we drilled, um, you know, and over and over and over again, hitting your knee, hitting your knee, hitting your knee, hitting your knee. You know, uh, the finishes were pretty simple, you know. Uh, buckle the knee, c- cover the hip, and, and if you shoot your head through, coming out the back door, you know. It's nice to see it evolve since I've, um, since I've really – done it you know it's a lot of a lot of involvement collegiate wrestling you know you go underneath the guy's legs these guys got some real funk to mm-hmm. come at you with so the 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 skills and techniques of beating that funk is has materialized and evolved even in even in um, um freestyle you've seen it evolve but there was a lot of time man it was a lot of time there was a feeling that um when things started happening for me with this low single leg um, it's exciting, you know, it's, you know, you've heard the story I've said that, you know, it's like maybe a, a, a doctor in a, in a lab somewhere and he's, he's on the verge of finding a cure for cancer, you know, and, um, how exciting would he be, you know, to, to go to work every day, you know, yeah. to save millions and millions of lives. This is nothing like wrestling's not as important as cancer and saving people's lives, you know. 
I'm just saying that when when you find something that really works for you, that time for me was like motivating. It's like I went from here to a whole nother level because in a short period of time, when I say short, I'm talking maybe two and a half months, three months. Um, when you have that kind of energy, it's amazing where you can go. Mm. Because when you have that energy and you, you're feeling something that's really working and all of a sudden you're, you're snappy with it, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're asking your partners, try to keep me off your ankle. Don't, don't, that's all I want you to do, you know, and you're still getting into it. You know, um, it's just a level of motivation that is, I don't think everybody hits that. You know, unfortunately, I don't think I think only a few people do, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our sport. Um, I don't think if, I don't think there's that many people that hit it in life, mm-hmm. even even professional people, doctors, lawyers. Uh, I think it's just it's it's a uh, it's it's a chemistry that's brought on from work um, and just passion uh, of you know, wanting to do something so bad. You know, and through that through that experience, you can find things. Things will evolve. You know, and what evolved from that experience is a is a, a low single leg that that I dominated with, and allowed me to really it allowed me to hit alternative shots with a much easier. Mm-hmm. You know, made my high crotch much easier to hit off the elbow. Um, and because they're defending the low single leg. And then they weren't ready for that snap either. Nah, you had a nasty yeah, or snap. Duck unders or, you know. From there, of course. Here's what I'm, uh, Leroy talking about the first time you were able to, uh, to get the best of them. And, and this is kind of to me one of the unveilings of the low single before you went out and, and tested it on the world. Um, this is like a 20 second clip here. The interesting story comes out much later in the 80s when he's in college. And he's, you know, uh, he's in, in that sophomore, junior year where he's about to take a huge step in his development. And uh, we're wrestling in a workout room in the basement. He's starting to master the low single. Now, he couldn't take me down uh, hardly uh, up to oh, that boy. point. But then he started... He started about that point, mastering that little single, and I couldn't stop it. And he was all of a sudden on top of me, and I didn't want him on top of me. Now, up until that point, he couldn't get on top of me. He couldn't take me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but then he did, and then he, he started trying to get rough with me. I'll never forget, you know, <laughs> giving me elbows and trying to, you know, work my head over and giving it back to me. <laughs> yeah, that? I did try to give it back to him. Uh, Leroy was mean, man. He was a mean guy to me. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Well, you know, you grow up um, and you're seven years younger, you know, and I was the next boy. Of course, we have 10 in our family, six girls and four boys. And so, you know, my, my dad, my mom, my oldest sister, and then Leroy, and then they had five girls in a row, mm-hmm. you know, and so... And I and I and then I was born. But anyway, 
you know, you grow up with in wrestling and you have an older brother that's seven years older than you, it's not good. You know, you have to do things that you're not really ready for. And, and of course, he was rough. You know, and, and, and I remember working out with him when he was training for 1984 Olympics, you know, um, and him screaming at me because I, I, you know, I wasn't working hard enough, you know, and I, I guess 84, 94, let's see, how old would I be in 84? You were a freshman in college? Yeah, well, I'd be, let's see, 65, 75, you know, 19 years old. And you he's know. at the pinnacle of his... 18, 19, yeah. Wrestling, yeah. Um, yeah, and I wasn't ready for him. You know, it's just like, but the one thing I did learn is I saw what it took, right? And I don't think I gave that till a few years later. You know, I did see what it took. Mm-hmm. You know, even at the moment, it was miserable going with him, being around him, and because you, you're not prepared to train like this in the middle of the summer. Nor did I want to, you know. Um, anyway, that day I took him down. You know, people forget about that. It's just, you know, I had an opportunity to be around him while he was training. And, and of course, uh, the whole episode of what happened to him was a whole nother level of motivation for me. You know, seeing him make the team and then seeing what occurred following that. Um, was another level of motivation. Not as much as people think. I, I think it was more of a depressing moment for all of us. Um, but I think later it became motivating that, you know, uh, in my Olympic career anyway. But I remember the day I took him down. I know what he's talking about. Um, yeah, it was exciting. Um, and I could have took him down 15 times. I was better than him. I passed him that day. You know, I really did. You know, and... and wow. He's right. He's right when he says uh, I was going to his head. You know, I was giving him back some shit that that he was giving me his whole life. You know, and that was a good feeling. But it's a good feeling when you know, you know, you have, you know, you're, you're one of your mentors growing up, and you know, and you're passing them. You know, um, I talk about uh, Jamel Kelly a lot in 2004. You know. Um, I couldn't go with him. You know, he had passed me, and I think when he when he felt that, um, maybe unconsciously, is what helped him. Maybe, yeah. You know, I, I was I was still going live every day with those guys, and um, he passed me. You know, that's the first Olympian since like '84. I think you said that you couldn't beat at your weight. Yeah. In '04, when he when yeah, he, he really passed me. You know, it was just like my gosh, this kid's good. Look, looking back, do you think Leroy was so hard on you that it could have broke you or dissuaded you from the sport or would it have broken someone else maybe and like maybe cross a line? Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was ruthless. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it, it was just... But it was, it was, you know, remember, you know, that, that those moments probably came when he was 18 through 24, you know, pretty serious time. Intense, developed some intensity, you know, going through your college career, maybe not having success, wanting more, you know. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that 
there's some real horror stories about me and some of my workout partners, you yeah. know, there's some, you know, um, if there's anything I regret is maybe not thanking them enough, you know, rather than just getting a, a heck beat out of them on a daily basis. So I just think it's, a, it's the moment in time you're in your, in your sport. And, and for me, I was around Leroy a lot when, you know, at the ages of, you know, uh, 10 through 14. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of his, eh, maybe, maybe even older, you know, probably, probably more like 12 through 18 was pretty serious times for him. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were, you said, you know, I realized maybe in my head, I thought I wanted to be an Olympic champ, but I saw him work out. I saw, you know, him working out with Ricky Stewart and I thought, yeah, I'm not even there, you know, not even close to there. But fast forward to this workout at the basement of Gallagher, you start to beat Leroy. Then you headed to Blissey in 86, lost mm-hmm. to Isaiah there. I've heard you took a train ride there, either before or after, and it was a really long train ride through the Soviet Union, and that's where some of the mental, some of your, I guess, strength in your mind came about. I don't know if that story rings a bell. Or- you know, I just, uh, you know, I was, I think any time you get beat, you know, and and you're, you're you know, you're thinking... You know, where, where am I going to go with this? What am I going to do? You know, and, uh, it was a train ride. You know, I remember going and, uh, you know, I, th- I just think things go through your mind. Like, you know, you, you talk about wanting to be an Olympian. You, somebody needs to tell me something. You know, how am I going to do this? I want to do it. You know, um, well, nobody can tell you how to do that. You know, I, I can take you and help you develop in college and, Turn you into an all-American and, and and maybe even a national champion if I can get a cut. But that level, you know, that's going to have to come from within. Can't really teach you all that. I mean, it. it that's a whole nother level when you're dealing with um, people that are very highly motivated, motivated across this world. Mm-hmm. You know, and you may have one or two guys that. Are highly motivated at your weight within the U.S., right? Maybe more, four or five. But um, that phone ain't gonna bother anything, is it? We're good now, though. Yeah. Okay. But um, it's also like the lonely—not the—I mean, loneliness, but also just the—you had no distraction on that train. You know, back in '86 in the Soviet Union, you're not on your phone, you're not on your laptop. It's just you. You're kind of within your thoughts, and you're kind of running. This is all running through your mind as you're on this train. Um, well, my my biggest impression, you know, I think was how are you ever going to be as good as some of these guys, and you have no, you have absolutely no idea how they're living, and I saw the way they lived, and I'm like. These dudes are tough, tough. I don't know what tough is. You know, and I'm not tough on the mat, tough of how they lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw the Soviet Union. I saw Tashkent, you know, um, that's where down south. I mean, I saw some places that just like, my goodness, how are you going to beat these guys? You know, and it was kind of a, 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 a lonely ride, you know. It was just like, 
you know, you might beat some of them, but my gosh, how are you going to beat their better ones? I mean, these guys are living tough. Yeah. You know, we got it good. I was, yeah, it was just <laughs> like, you know, but I, I never let go of that hope, you know, and I just kind of, those, those moments in time, I think they build up in you and through your work habits and through your training, you don't let those things disappear. You know, I don't think throughout the rest of my career, that image of Tashkent, when I went to Tashkent or you, uh, Kiev or where the other places, that image never left me the whole time. Like, don't ever underestimate what you're getting ready to hit. These dudes are tough. Yeah. You know, and what they get, if they win, maybe not much to me, but it, it's everything to them and their families and respect that. So what I drew out of Russia that year was no question the respect of how tough they have it yeah, and how rough it was. And these dudes were hard. I mean, hard people, For sure. you know, cold, um, not a lot of heat. I'll never forget that Tbilisi tournament and how cold it was in that gym. I'm like, this is a joke, you know, and everybody's complaining. And, and I, and I was one of them with it. And, and when I walked out of there, I'm like, well, you, that's why you lost. You're complaining. You're worried about how cold it is, you know? Um, but it just, it just instilled some things in me that, you know, I, I talk about running in Gallagher, you know, and why I do, why I did it, you know, um, you know, the, the Soviets and the, at the time and the Russians, Soviets at the time motivated all of us because you're going to need to beat one of them mm -hmm. somewhere down the, down the road if you're ever going to win something, you know, so. Uh, what time would you run at Gallagher? Like anywhere from 11 o'clock to 2 in the morning. And were yeah. you already asleep and then woke up or do you uh, just a night A lot out? of times I was, sometimes I'd never went to bed and, and uh, just went. Um, sometimes I was asleep and would wake up and go. Um, you know, uh, it wasn't like every night, though. You know, it was, I can't remember, really. I mean, all I can remember is that whether I was running stairs or, or going through stance of motion, um, it was that extra time alone, quiet, nobody else is doing anything, you know. Um, I don't know. It, it, it just helps you feel like you deserve something, right? Um, it seems like you kind of felt like they already had a handicap on you because they're living in this incredibly rough environment. Yeah. You had, you know, the United States were very fortunate. You could never replicate that, so you had to do something to get yourself an edge. And yeah, that, something to get an edge, you know, and of course, and we're complaining about him, you know, doing drugs and, sh and, and, you know, steroids. I've heard that the whole life. I'm like, you know, to me, I said, well, that's something I got to beat too, you know, if it's happening. I, don't, I mean, right. I think, but I heard it from some reliable people, you know, on my, on my teams, like, you know, um, whatever. Got to do know. it. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <clears throat> if, if, if they're not getting caught, what, what happens? You know? Right. <laughs> so they fast. Beat, do they beat you? 
no, I still got to beat them. Right. You know? And so I never, I never let those type of things ever really affect me or, or come into my mind. And, um, and so, you know, that's the kind of the strength that I think doing some things that are a little bit unusual, unorthodox, um, you do them for a long period of time, you just start to feel things that, you know, you don't worry about things anymore. You know, it's just start feeling, you know, I, I deserve good things hmm. and, and I'm going to go out and, and I'm going to perform. And if somebody's going to, if somebody's going to beat me, um, they're going to beat me. I'm not going to beat myself, you know. Uh, now, the few matches I did lose was because I was over aggressive. But you know what? Um, I had a coach tell me, you know, um, you're too over aggressive. And I thought, you don't know wrestling. <laughs> right? That's like core to your belief of wrestling. It's just an attack yeah, well, style. Was, yeah, just, you know. Um, I thought, you know, you know very little about wrestling. You know, I didn't say that to him, but I'm thinking that. I'm like, you don't know me very well. You right. know, maybe that's works with, I mean, that's, that's, I got to learn how to be aggressive without making mistakes, you know, as much as I can. I got, you know, um, I got to take shots. I have to, you know. Uh, when I felt Sarkissian, I knew, man, either I st never stopped moving my feet, um, or you're in trouble. How strong was that dude? He was strong. <laughs> I mean, strong. He looked so big. You know, but I, I, have, I avoided the contact and, and, and was able to, you know, get in on legs. They're not so strong when you get in on legs, right? And I've wrestled a few guys like that. You know, I think, you know, my, my wrestling really evolved from 87 when I won my first one at the end. It, it really evolved. I became a lot better wrestler. You know, I mean, you look at the 87. And Especially like at 86 Goodwill, which is one of my favorite tournaments. Yeah. To me, I thought that would be, and I'm looking at. That was a Zayev. That was a Zayev, right. Mm -hmm. But that was a big one because he beat you at Tbilisi six mm -hmm. months prior. And you see some low single in that match a little bit. There's a, uh, there's a situation where, to your point about being aggressive, you, and he's starting to break and you're trying to, you're pushing him and you hit a low single. You had a, a really nice finish. He tips you for two, then you get two. Whereas four years later, I don't think he would have scored that two. Um, yeah. So when we talk about aggressive, I think it's aggressive in your mind. You know. Okay. That I'm I'm constantly on alert. You know, I never I'm never relaxed. You know, I'm just constantly on alert of what's happening in the match, and that's aggressive, mm -hmm. right? Um, and sometimes I'd go through moments in a match especially when I'm younger, or even when I got older, that maybe you get comfortable and you let your mind drop back a little bit and you get taken down, right? Um, I think we all do that at times, you know, but when I needed to be alert, I was at my best. There's no question. For sure. And I'm not sure you could stop me uh, from scoring, especially later in my career. How impactful was winning the Goodwill Games in 86 for your career? It's huge. Right, I come back off that. I hadn't been a national champion. Um, it was big, you know, because he did. Uh, that was the side so beat me in Tbilisi that year. Um, and then it was a games, you know. It was kind of a, um, it was a unique event that 
they were that they this was the first year of it and it was big pretty exciting i mean it, it kind of reminded me of uh of maybe the experience i was going to have at the olympics right um and man i was around a good some good guys yeah it was a good team team was loaded yeah and and they had a good team you know they didn't uh, lose a match the entire tournament yeah <laughs> you beat a Zayev. Yeah. i was like Hard. Yeah, they, they were they were unreal, and um, I just want to pull just this. a big win. I, I was excited, and and um, I, I really wrestled over my head. I mean, I, I wrestled. You know, we talked a little bit about those teams and Chesbro's teams um, performing at an unbelievable level. You know, and I think even then, at that time. I performed over my head, but what what I experienced from winning that tournament, um, and then listening to um, listening to Coach Gable's remarks and listening to some of my teammates' remarks really fired me up, like saying, "Hey, you're good," you know, and you hear that from Coach Gable, or you hear that from. Bruce Bumgarner, you hear that from Dave Schultz, or, um, you know, those are the things I, I got a chance to hear at, at you know, what was it, 19 years old, you know, 20, 19, 20, um, you know, it just, okay, I'm here. Well, because, like, you had to think, your freshman year in college, your first day at Stillwater on campus, you had to, if someone would have told you by your third year, you would have won zero NCAA titles. You probably would have thought the world was over, right? Yeah, you know, but 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 what I did realize, yeah, yeah, but absolutely, no question. Because I came in, and you got high hopes, just like everyone, and you're like, I'm going to make a Olympic team. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, and it's just like, you know, whoa. And what happens through that process is you got to make a decision whether it's that important to you. <clears throat> Right. So we have a lot of kids that come into college and they have high hopes, big high hopes, you know, but they get in this process. And and from the academic side of it, you know, they're going, oh, my gosh, this is hard going to wrestling. And all of a sudden things start to change. And I, I go from when it wanting to be a national champion to I'll take being an All-American. <laughs> right. Yeah. They start settling for less. Starting to go with yourself. Most. That's not a bad thing because they just haven't experienced the grind of college, you know. So, yeah, yeah, three years in, not winning anything. Um, you, if you'd have told me at, at 17 years old when I stepped my first, when I stepped on campus, I'd have went, oh my gosh, you're kidding me, you know. But you found out, you find out in that process, oh, I'm not there. You've, you <laughs> shut up, quit talking trash. And go to work, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. If you want some of these things, then go to work and hold on to your goals during the rough times, you know. So. So the goodwill was kind of like that, though. No question, man. When I walked out of there, man, I was, I was, um, and some comments I heard from teammates, and of course, Coach Gable at the time uh, made some comments to me that were, were motivating, and um, you know, you just got you got a chance to. Take a take a run at things when you when you 
have those matches that kind of take you over that edge. And that was one that took me over the edge. For sure. For sure. And now, a minor speed bump along the way, Gil Sanchez. Um, I know you've told the story. I'm going to ask you to tell a little bit of it again. Well, 86, uh, you know. Because um, you wrestled him November of 86. That was in 87, wasn't it? 86, 87. Yeah. The, no- the Lincoln duel was in November of 86. Okay. Okay, so like right. six yeah. months. So you're king of the world, poster child for wrestling, coming back from the red shirt, just smoking. Not out. a world champion yet. Not a world champion yeah. yet, but yeah. you beat Azayev, who was a world champion. Yeah. Year. And Gil Sanchez, you know, Mark's coaching at Nebraska. What do you remember about the first match? Well, just you know, just um, underestimated him completely, right? I mean, you know, did not approach the match like I was um, going to be in a battle, you know, and. I mean, he just he just beat me up, you know, in in all areas. Now I think he even out he took me down more than I took him down. I I think that happened, you know. It wasn't just on the mat, although he did turn me with cheap tilts and things I I wasn't prepared for, um, and, and um, just a humbling experience. Just really embarrassed, you know. Um, I don't think I was even mad. I think I was just embarrassed, mm. you know. Um, and again, another le- learning lesson, you know, yeah. for me was what occurred. I can't remember. It was a couple days later, or a week later, or when? Two days later. Was it two days later? You were in Thursday I'm in glad Lincoln. Somebody told me that because I've always, I never looked. Omaha right. Open was on Saturday. You wrestled Lincoln on Thursday. Yeah, and so I, I wouldn't go. I was going there. I was chasing him. You know, I, I've got, I have to, I have to regain my spirit. And, um, so you lose the duel. Yeah, I lost the duel. And of course, I, I jump in a car. I don't know if it was Hickman and I just went over or who we went with, you know. Um, but I'd be interested to kind of look and, and see who was in the tournament from Oklahoma State. That would kind of tell me my story a little bit more. Corey, so here's Corey. That after you lost in Lincoln Thursday night, this is what Corey said. You said in the hotel room, and he went with you to the Omaha Open. Yeah. This is what Corey said. And, I remember, I remember, I mean, you said, you said, Corey, I'm never going to let that happen ever again. You said, from this day forward, I'm going to, I'm not going to win a match by one or two points. I'm going to dominate people. I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I mean, just punish them. And I'm going to separate myself from from being good to being great. And he said that that's never this will never happen again. So that's in the hotel room that night, you know. Yeah. And that had to be. You know, I'm glad I heard that. You know, I mean, we, Corey and I were, you know, I, you know, you, you you don't talk about it that those times very often, you know. And um, but what I did learn about that was. Don't ever not give people respect. And when I went over to Lincoln and wrestled him again and beat him by a couple of points, I think it was, I'm like, this guy's good. He's real good. What makes you think that he's not as good as Syaf in this style or someone else, right? I, and it humbled me mm-hmm. real quickly. You know, he was legitimate. I mean, I went over there motivated. 
highly motivated like this is not happening. This is bullshit, you know. Get your ass ready to go. And, and, and this dude punched me back over there in Omaha. And when I walked off that mat, it took everything I had to beat him, right? Everything. And again, I, I will say this is he was that good, number one. And number two, I neglected top and bottom, preparing for top and bottom and, and what it was going to take. I forgot how hard over a year, how hard wrestling was in folk style. <laughs> that was my mistake. Mm -hmm. Because as the season went on, um, you had a chance to see a couple more matches between he and I. Mm -hmm. And, and I started to get my feel of, of folk style wrestling back. Yeah. You know, and, and still he was tough. He was tough in the conference meet. And I know the score was, was big and, and the nationals was big, but it was a couple, couple scenarios that, that threw that match both, uh, both times we wrestled a couple scenarios that threw that match wide open for me, you know, um, he said that. I didn't know if he was talking shit or not, but he did say that. He's like, the big, he's like, Nationals, forget about the Nationals. The Big 12s, he's like, it was more lopsided than it looked, but we were still scrapping. Oh, yeah, no question. That was, dude, that was a hard match. Hard match. Heck yeah. Yeah. And, and the same thing at Nationals, I outscrambled him. And, 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 and when you outscramble someone, even today, um, likely it turns into back points. Can, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's what happened. But, but those were tough. Those were four of the toughest matches, uh, you know, in my life. And we wrestled four times that year. Yeah. He said the Omaha Open back then was like 80-man brackets. Yeah, it was huge. And you had uh, that year, for some reason, you had to be done by 6. So you guys wrestled at 530. Yeah. And he said the whole arena stopped and kind of put all eyes on you. Yeah. And it was you and a couple of red oh, shirts yeah. were there. Yeah. And uh, this is him talking about it. Then we'll talk about 88, and then we're out of here. Um, I just, and I also love that Kathy was mad at Mark for coaching him too hard. We wrestled like back. I mean, it was like one of my buddies was in the wrestle bags. He was on match 15, and he like seized up. It was, they were huge, no bars, no holds. Just everybody's going to the end. And like I said, we wrestled by about 5:30, and. Uh, um, it's funny, one of my childhood workout partners from the Shine Wrestling Club was wrestling from Wyoming. He just told me this story this summer. He goes, yeah, we were there. And I'm like, what did you come and talk? He goes, you were busy. And uh, so I guess he tells me that when we're wrestling, the whole gym shuts down. No matches are running. Nobody's going anywhere. And everybody piles around. I didn't know. I didn't, I, like I said, I didn't yeah, the whole tournament, I've never seen it, but the whole tournament shut down for your guys. Pretty sweet. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I, I don't remember that, but I do remember um, as the match was going on, I mean, prior to the match, just the people that are looking at you, I remember they're just looking at me, you know, and sometimes you, I never noticed it until then. Just like everybody's looking at you. I'm over there warming up, and I don't know why, but just felt like everybody was looking at me, you know, just like, what's going on? You know, well, this is this match is getting ready to happen. And, and I didn't I didn't figure it out, you know. I was just kind of in my own world, like, 
does anybody, you know, you're at open tournament. Does anybody care about, you know, what's happening in open tournament? You just want to get matches in. Well, for me, it was, it was, it was, uh, the national tournament that night. Yeah. It was that personal to you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Remember I was embarrassed. Yeah. You know, I didn't hurt. I wasn't mad. I was embarrassed. And, and, and that was the wrong thing to feel. You know, the whole experience of even telling Corey that night, you know, you kind of knew where I was at. You know, that, that was an embarrassing guy when he's saying that, when I'm mm-hmm. saying that to him, you know. But but the whole experience of going to Russell and Gill again uh, two days later and fighting my ass off to win by two points, um, listen, that's arrogant. You know, I looked at myself as arrogant. Like, I didn't give this guy the respect he deserves. This guy is as good as anyone I've ever wrestled anywhere. You know, and when you wrestle him again, it's going to be tougher now. This guy's got got game. <laughs> he wants to win a national title. What part of that you don't get, you know? Right. And, and and that's coming back from Omaha, you know, and, and and following that tournament, that's what I that's that's what I reminded myself. Is this guy's got game. Yeah. This guy's good, man. He he may be better than Isaiah. You know, I love you know, when someone's because a fighter folk like style. That. You yeah. know, he's better in folk style than fo- so. Isaiah uh, is at freestyle. Wow, pretty exciting, and especially yeah. since you thought you were going to go to the Omaha Open and put on a show for yourself, and yeah, yeah, and 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 that's not what happened to me. You know, I walked away from there like there was fear. You know, like, hey, you don't get your your don't get yourself together and get focused on the right things. You may not win another. You may not win a national championship this year, you know. So, you wow. know, for me that was more important, you know. And you know, I skipped the world championships that year, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I, the really the, the main reason is I didn't want to go out of order, you know. I just felt like I'm not ready to be a world champion because really winning an NCAA championship was way more important to me. Yeah. Why is that? Oh, I just I just felt like I'm going to get this opportunity in my career, you know, if if I build myself into that person, right? Um, I only get four years at this, you know, and and winning an NCAA championship. Listen, it is important. I mean, I value them as, you know. I value my NCAA titles as much as I value my Olympic gold medals. You know, it's 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 hard. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. right? I mean, we've got guys making Olympic teams. We got guys made world teams that didn't even win nationals. You know, we got guys that won world medals that never won an NCAA championship. You know, yeah. um, you know, uh, it, it, it's hard. You know, and for that reason. It was just important for me to win this in order. You know, I need to win a national championship. Um, was it hard to get set motivated for the second one against Melchiori when the Olympics were just five months away in 88? Um, no. Although that was an awkward match for me because, again, 
um, you know, a lot of times you, you get to a point where you think you should be dominating, you know, and you forget, you know, listen, learn how to wrestle hard matches, tough matches, you know, you're going to, you know, in the course, you know, in freestyle, if you have a couple of turns, you know, it can separate the score quickly and you, and you can, you can dominate a lot easier in freestyle, you know, folk style, um, that Mel Corey match was tough. I mean, even, even though I separated the score, every point seemed really hard to get, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, yeah. And the second one's always tougher, right? For sure. You know, and, uh, just, but I just think people forget about how hard folk style wrestling is. It's hard. Especially that tournament, that three-day tournament. If you're not ready every round, if your weight gets out of control, you know, Friday. Did you say championship? Yes, I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. That, you know, Thursday morning can get it's weird. Tough. T- yeah, it's, it's the toughest. It's, it's tougher than anything in the world. I yeah. mean, you know. I mean, it's tougher. It's, it's a tougher event. It's a, it's a beast. You know, uh, for sure. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, you got to prepare for it. Right. You know, and, um, it's not so much a beast from the, the level of conditioning, uh, those type of things, because it's late in the season. If you're not in shape, then you're got problems anyway. But just going through the emotional swing, you know, three day weigh ins, you know, um, morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon, you know, uh, you, you know, you, you know, it's hard to get on a string. You know, I mean, a string of winning matches. You know, you wake up in the morning, you go warm up, you wrestle one match, you go back, you come back three hours later. You know, yeah, um, and you do it for three days. You know, so it's a, um, it's a whole different thing than the uh, you know than the World's Olympics, obviously. Well, yeah, you wrestle one day now. What is it? Right. You know, I mean, so we're not going to get to the eighty-eight Olympics today. I do want to. We have about fifteen minutes left. Do you want to take a break or power through? Power through. I'm good. Power through. Okay. Okay. So, one of my favorite rivalries is you and Randy in '88. And Randy talks about, um, you know, in '88 he came back. He met you in Vegas. You were in Vegas. I'm going to play this clip. See if you remember it. This is the last clip I'm going to I'm going to show you. <laughs> I had no idea about this, and he talked about it. And he has an elephant memory, you know. Um, so you guys are at Vegas for the Cliff Keen tournament in like 87, 88. We're playing blackjack together, and, and, and he's telling me that he's, I'm going to tech you. I'm going to turn you down. You're going to turn me? No, you're not turning me. I go, you can't stop my gut wrench. I will gut wrench you. I will turn you. And he was telling me he was going to throw me. I go, well, come on upstairs and see what it's like. And we were both getting cocky, but I didn't feel like I could get as cocky as he was because he was the reigning world champion. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to wrestle. And then, uh, but we like I still talk about that with John. Do you remember that? Uh, probably happened. Yeah. <laughs> now we played cards all the time in Vegas. Um, yeah, I, that's probably. You know, I I probably never assumed I was going to wrestle him either, because here I am sitting sitting with him, and he's he's probably weighing uh, one sixty five. You know, and the weight class is 136. Whatever, Randy, you can't beat me. You know, come on, buddy. Come on down. Never did I want – I, I, I remember playing with him, and I'm sure I, I said some of that to him because I probably assumed, you know, you're fat, and you're never going to make weight, and you're never going to be down to my weight, you know. And little 
little did I know that, <laughs> that he did do it, you know. And so, yeah, I, I probably said those things, and, 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 but not knowing that I would wrestling. I know myself well enough, like, you're a competitor. I probably wouldn't even been playing cards with him if I, if I knew I was going to wrestle him. Really? Yeah, no, I don't want a relationship with you. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I mean, not, not because I, because you're, you're a threat to me, mm-hmm. you know. Now, the uh, first time you guys wrestled Reno that year, you beat him 10-8, mm-hmm. back and forth battle. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about, you know, you wrestled a lot of guys. He's incredibly unique. He'd lead with that right leg. You kept taking the bait on the high crotch a lot. You finished a lot too, but he had a good crotch lift. Talk about wrestling Randy Lewis. What kind of challenge was that to solve? Well, first, first off, I'm still getting better, and you know, I, I I don't. I've told this to a few people that in 1991 I would attack John Smith in 1988. Yeah, wow. that's. I, I really believe that. Um, and, and the reason is, is because I had I had a lace that that was as good as anyone's. Right, I had developed my leg lace, you know, and and when I wrestled Randy, um, the low single leg was still being developed, and 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 I don't really think I had a whole lot of turns, although I did turn him, mm-hmm. you know, I think I turned him in a, with a bar arm and put him <laughs> to his back. Love that bar arm. Yeah, yeah. Tip yeah. it back. Yeah. You know, um, I was still developing, right, and. Um, I was stubborn, you know, it was almost like he's not stopping my high crotch, you know, he's not stopping my high crotch. Um, and that, that, that first match, uh, or that match in Wichita, Topeka, Topeka, when you got beat, yeah, just an idiot, you know. What do you keep going back to it for, you stubborn son of a gun? You know, <laughs> and, and he was, and 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 it's the first time I walked away, you know, and learned another lesson. Listen, there's people better than you in certain positions. You better respect it, you know. And and you know, I I probably never thought of that before, right? Because I didn't look at myself that confident. Well, there's, you know, there was guys better than me, period, in a lot of positions. But as you're developing and you, as you're going through, through, uh, through your career of building this intelligence so you can execute at a high level, um, I learned a lesson. There's people better than you in certain positions, right? And, and so that was something I, I did the rest of my life. I respected some people in, in, in positions that, and I avoided them. I can't you know, believe you went it, to a bear hug in that match. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's you know, again, you know, it's. Um, I've never you seen know, you it. It was like hug. it was like me wrestling, you know, um, Sarkissian '88. You know, I, I respected his power. Stay out of the tie-up with him. He will throw you around like a doll. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so those matches with Randy helped me kind of build my mind of going, listen, you can win however you have to win, but respect people and respect the positions that they're really good in. And so 
that's what I learned from Randy. I mean, he just he kicked my ass every almost every time I got in there. There was a couple times, like you said, I finished in some big matches, but for the most part, it was it was uh, maybe he didn't flip me over like he did in Topeka, you know, flip me over two times, but he ended up out scrambling me to the to a score. Yeah, and there's this this incredible finish. I'm sure you've seen it a million times, but. Well, a lot of my high crotch finishes came from Randy. You know, the crackdowns, things like that. Is, I got better and better with them because of him. Yeah. That was sweet. Crackdown. You know, and, and so a lot of that, a lot of, lot of those finishes, um, And so, you know, Randy was strong, you know, and, and, and when he grabbed a hold of you, um, you know, I wasn't prepared as I watched this match, you know, you can tell I wasn't prepared to make contact, you know, just kind of working the outsides, yeah, right here. Oh, my gosh, what are you thinking? Yeah, but guess what? You know, as strong as he is, he couldn't hold me on my back. True. It's incredible you know, that I tell everyone. I mean, that was. I mean, that was you know, pretty tight too. Tight, and he's got a good headlock, and he knows how. To, you know, he's got Greco skills, and he's a strong guy. But he's weighing one fifty-five. When I looked at that, I'm like, if you couldn't pin me there, you can never beat me. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're you're trying to get something positive because you haven't. You know, you're not sure if. You know, this old guy should be going ten eight with you. You know, right? And I kind of backed up a little bit, and you know, I, I reminded myself of those experiences. You know, listen, you know, remember Gil Sanchez? You you want to go down that road again? Help me focus in a little bit. And even though he beat me, um, it wasn't that I had a bad match. I just kept kept going back to a move that I shouldn't have been in. You mm -hmm. know, what did you notice just from you said when it was playing? You were in your stance, you were on the outside more and you weren't engaging. What did you notice? Just oh, I just look at a young young kid, you know. Um, that's why I said, you know, in 91, if you want to see my my best performances, you know, I don't know if I went undefeated that year. I just I just know I felt at my best. Yeah. Any time in my career. Like, I think I, you know, I, I went through the world championships. I believe I tech-falled everybody. You know, and that was the old 15-0, you know. Right. And so I just look at that kid, you know, and kind of know the kid that I was in 91 going, oh, you, you'd get beat by him <laughs> bad. Why'd you go train with Gil and Mark Perry after that in Nebraska? Um, I was injured. I hurt my shoulder against Randy and um, Topeka. And, of course, um Time wasn't on my side. I can't remember how you fast. Six weeks. Was it six weeks? And yeah. you had to go through the tournament. Even though you were the defending world champ, that Topeka tournament was that important where now Randy had the bye to the finals. You had to go through. Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go through all of them. And then you had to beat Randy again, the best of two in Florida. Yeah. And also in the back of your mind, is what happened in 84 playing into any of this? Oh, I think so. I think always, you know, that... Um, not as much as you think because Leroy was also trying out in 88, you know. and um, uh, So I was glad that he had his opportunity to go again. Uh, 
but you know, I think what affected me more in '84 is at the time and moment, you know, and and I, it became a little bit more personal to me later in my career after I was done, and still today it bothers me. Why was it Gables doesn't bother like- Leroy? No, it bothers me though. You know, why was Gables' involvement such a big deal in that uh, whole thing? I, you know, it's, it's you just leave it, leave it at that. I'm not going to go into it, but. Um, you know, I've got my thoughts, and they're not very good. Just put it that way. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So in 88, that's on the back of your mind a little bit. You go train with Mark and Gil. And was that just getting healthy because they had some getting state of the- Getting healthy. I was hurt. Yeah. You know, and uh, um, I needed to step away and, and and look at things a little differently with this injury. You know, it's the first time I really, or the second time I really uh, hurt my shoulder. And that Greg Randall match was the first time, right? Yeah. That was a yeah. big rivalry, too. Big rivalry. And I just stepped away. It was, it was a, it was a shocking moment for me, right? You know, and, um, you know, you, you got to re- rethink about, you know, you think, here, here I am. And, I'm going to be on top, and all of a sudden I'm thrown into a tournament and I'm injured, you know, um, and I got six weeks. Like you said, just going through that process, I'm now kind of reminding me I got six weeks and, and, and I needed to get this he- shoulder healthy. And, and they had an Olympic-sized swimming pool up there, and, and we could get in it, and I went up there, got in it, spent some time there, and it wasn't a lot of time, but it was four or five days, maybe six or seven, mm-hmm. to just get my shoulder back to, to – a level of strength that I could start drilling again. Mm-hmm. And then you came back, Olympic trials, you, you really you avoided those positions. Even though he scored a little bit, you really handed him at the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. I just want to show you this last clip of Randy because it's really cool. He gets pretty emotional here talking about just what the right, the uh, series meant. Because you guys wrestled four times in about two months and just how much improvement both guys showed in those matches. This one isn't very long either. And I remember walking off after that match, and I was thinking, wow. I said, that's the best match I've ever wrestled. I lost. I go, John Smith is way better than I thought he was. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, there's a lot of skill developed, you know, for me in my matches. My short time I wrestled him, there's a lot of skill. Um, and, and what I mean by by skill is that, that I needed to redefine. I needed to re- go back to that that finish on that dump. I needed to I needed to keep people out of my, you know, you know what came from all that is, I, I don't I don't know if I ever got flipped over again in a high crotch position when somebody got locked. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever flipped. I think I scored in every one of them, you know. So I, I evolved that. If you're going to be here, you better evolve this because somebody showed you that they're better than you in it. Um, Randy was good, man. Yeah. He's as good as any Olympian I ever wrestled in freestyle. Wow. Yeah, no, there's no question. Um, he was a freak. And and to be off that long comeback and, and make a challenge, that just tells you, you know, where where he what he thinks of himself. Right? I mean that's what's impressive. Right. I mean, I don't know. If I could ever take two or three years off and come back and going. 
I could pick it up right where I left off. You know, I think I'd punish myself like, you're not, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just like, I'm going to pick up where I left off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and like he said, uh, which is, uh, um, you know, I mean, just people can't do that. He did it. Right. Right. And he was better. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah, he was better. Well, you know, all that time he's also training. He's at Iowa. He's training, and and um, uh, you know, uh, I think I think for him, um, he could have won in '88. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, he could have won. He could have won in '88. Well, there's only a hand. I think the only only guy. I, I don't think. I don't think Sarkissian. I think their matchup would be bad, um, a bad matchup for Sarkissian. The only one in that bracket that was was the Bulgarian. I think that might have gave him a, a little bit of a a match that would be a little bit different than what he has felt in the past. But I think they've wrestled. I think they wrestled. Randy him. actually beat him in '82, yeah. and the round ended. He came back because in '82, Leroy was the guy. Yeah. Got hurt. But Randy yeah. goes up there again on like one day's notice, makes the finals of the world championships, beat Shaterov in the semis, the Bulgarian. Is it Shaiman Shaterov? Sh- yeah. Yeah. Beats him in the semis, comes back four hours later, and they overturn the match when he wasn't there. And they're like, you wrestled for third and fourth. And he's like, no, he forfeited. But he beat him in the match. Yeah. I watched it. It's like 13 to 11, though. Yeah. So again, he's not training, he's out partying, he gets the call. Guys who have that kind of confidence, I really admire because. For like this interview, I prepped for two months. Now I feel ready. I don't know how people can do things without preparation. You know? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. You that way? Oh, yeah. Your confidence yeah, comes yeah. from preparation? Yeah, preparation is, you know, everything. You right. Know, your work ethic, you know. For sure. Um, but, but. He beats our kissing at the Fiesta Bowl that year, too. Yeah. In Arizona. Yeah. Arizona, yeah. In 88. Um, yeah, he, he was, you know, I watched enough tape on, tape on Randy. I for way better. I mean, from '84 to when I wrestled him, I mean, it was just like I quit watching '84 tapes because he he really wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was good. Twenty to me... 10, 15, 20. Like his matches were crazy then. Though, yeah, with yeah. Burley and those guys. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you couldn't really take a whole lot from it. Right. You know? There was um, so much back and forth flipping and of around. Of course, you didn't have a lot to take from '88 other than those few matches where he wrestled dual meets. You know. Um. He was tough. My God, he was tough. Last question for our interview today. When you meet the Olympics in 88 in Florida, and the next time we meet, we'll pick up from there, you know, just emotions from making your first Olympic team down in Pensacola, Florida. Well, it was was relief. You know, there was a lot of relief for me, you know. You know, I think what people forget a lot of times is, you know, um, you know, I'm not trying to beat – an NCAA champion to make an Olympic team. You know, um, I'm beating Olympic champions to make an Olympic team, you know. Mm-hmm. And Randy Lewis was a legitimate threat. Uh, Jim Jordan was a legitimate threat, you know. Um, you know, two-time national champion, you know. You, you know he was busting his tail to make that team. Um I had legitimate threats. If I didn't wrestle good, I wasn't going to make the Olympic team. That was just not something that that was 
an option. I mean, I just kept thinking, I have to do this. And you know, every time you say you have to do something, it doesn't seem, sometimes it doesn't always work out like you want. But um, where do you go after you win a world championship? You know, did I, did I, I had some extra incentive and probably winning that world championship the year before. It could, I, it, it, it could have been either dealing with pressure from it with what the, who I got to beat to make the team, or are you going to use it to, to, to create more power for yourself as you go through these matches to, to make this team? And I did. I created more power. Like, I can't be a world champion from the year before and not make an Olympic team. Mm. Right? I mean, and so I, I forced that on myself, and it, and it brought out good results in performance-wise. Mm-hmm. Not anxiety, not nervous, not, you know, it gave me the, the will to lay it out there, as you would say, you know, where you want your, hey, go for it, you know, go for this, you know, and. Um, Almost like how Michael it might have been tougher to make that team. May, may, may I may not have made it if I didn't win that world championship the year before. But it was like, I'm not going home and not making this Olympic team. I have to make it. You're a world champion. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the goal of the document. It empowered me to, to, to take another level or that I needed to take to beat those guys. Well, that's the goal of the documentary is people look now, young kids says six time world Olympic champ. They have no idea how much struggle and how much oh. ebbs and flows there were every single, we're I mean, think about, started. think about, oh, I know <laughs> we even got to Reynosa. We yeah. even got to Fisher. Yeah. All that'll be next time. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, and then the NCAA investigation, then you coaching with Kenny in 92. What the heck was that? I mean, that yeah. was one of the most bizarre years yeah, I could ever. it was bizarre. It was crazy. It was another arrogant mistake, you know. Right. Uh, but, uh, no, 88, I made that team by, by first out wrestling my opponents. But more importantly, winning that world championship from the year before, you know, sometimes it says, hey, it gets tougher. It gets tougher to win. Uh, th- that one there, no, it helped me. Mm. It's the the reason I made I pushed through and made that Olympic team through <coughs> through that whole experience of trying to make the team. What happened at the peak of those type of things, <coughs> going through that tournament, that 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 willed me willed me through you know anything. It, it didn't bother me that I had to go through the tournament. You know, when I got beat, I was more, there was more fear about my shoulder and being injured and like, I got to get healthy. I got to get healthy, you know, and, um, you know, it, it just kind of willed me through the, the moment in time. And, um, you know, but it all comes back to work. It's all comes back to how you look at yourself. It all comes back to lessons that you've learned, you know, I mean, without the lessons I had leading up to that, um, that'd have been real hard for me to, to push through and, uh, and actually make, because uh, I was a little hurt a little more than what people thought, you know, and it took a little bit longer than I thought. Well, in 85, you got hurt in the Iowa duel, then you beat Randall in the semis on three weeks' notice. A lot of people say... Separated shoulder. A lot of people who know you say that that's the most hard-fought win they've ever seen you yeah. have, 85 semis. Yeah. Against it Randall. Tough. It was tough. He picked me up and slammed me down on my shoulder in Iowa. And I mean, slam me down, and not not in not in an intentional way, in an intensive way. You know, I deserve it. You know, um, 
and I walk off that mat with a dislocated shoulder, you know, uh, separated shoulder, not, but severely separated. Um, and the good thing is, is you, you, I did have three weeks, so yeah, you had a lot to think about, and, and that helped and you in '88. Sure, absolutely, perfect experience. Yeah, John Smith, you yeah. are the man, sir. Thank that you. was a lot of fun. You bet. All it right, was. good questions. Thank you, sir. I'm glad. You- Hey guys, if you want to help us spread the word, please rate the episode and share it with your friends. The Smiths was written and directed by Ryan Warner. Executive producers include USA Wrestling and the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. A special thank you to the entire Smith family, Rich Bender and Leroy Smith. Etched in Stone is an exclusive production of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and USA Wrestling. Download your free souvenir book of any of the Etched in Stone stories produced at nwhof.org. The storybook includes the written story and is filled with pictures and videos of their live matches. And while you're on the website, take a deeper dive into the profiles of the 179 distinguished members inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame.